0: Welcome to the teaching ministry of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Family Church in Ohioville, Pennsylvania. We pray you are challenged in your walk with the Lord through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly Family Church or to subscribe to our free podcasts, please visit us on the web at cafamily.net. If you didn't get a copy of the notes, just uh, raise your hand if you like. We'll get you a copy of the notes we're talking about prayer on Wednesday nights and this is our 15th lesson on prayer never thought we'd be at 15 when we started but here we are at 15 so we're going to continue along this line praise God and then I don't know I might have it in my heart for us to then shift over and talk about praise hallelujah praise and worship of God We need to know how to praise and worship him in spirit and in truth. Amen. In Luke's gospel chapter 5 and verse 16, this is from the New American Standard Version. But Jesus himself would often slip away to the wilderness and pray. Notice, often. Well if he did it often we don't really know a lot about it. We don't know how he prayed. We don't know what he prayed for and what he prayed about. But we know he often did it. And we also know that he sometimes spent the whole night in prayer. Sometimes got up early before dawn and prayed. The point being, praise God, that Jesus spent a lot of time in prayer. Well, if Jesus needed to pray, where does that leave you and me? Do we need to pray? Amen. We sure do, don't we? Well, even though it doesn't tell us always the things he prayed about, in John's gospel chapter 17 we have a sneak preview. John recorded some things in that chapter, chapter 17 about Jesus' high priestly prayer and it's almost as if we have this opportunity to observe Jesus at prayer at the most crucial and critical time in his life. And so what we're going to do tonight, we're going to explore this. We're going to look at this prayer that he prayed. Once again you could say that it's his high priestly prayer or it's his farewell prayer. That he prayed after his farewell discourse. Now in John's gospel chapter 13 through 16. These chapters 13, 14, 15, 16. You may think that's a long period of time. But it's not. It's the same night. And in this one night. What he did was he gave them a farewell discourse. Talked to them about certain things he wanted them to know. And then at the end of the discourse he gave them a farewell prayer. Or a high priestly prayer. Because he's the high priest of this new and everlasting covenant. And so, in these chapters, Jesus addressed certain things. And remember how critical this is. He's leaving them. He was there for three and a half years. He taught them. They depended on him. He's not going to be there. And he gives them this counsel. And first thing he says in chapter 13, after washing their feet, he says, you ought to do the same. And he teaches them humility and servanthood. And that's how you should have care one for another. That you see to it that you love the brethren and exalt them higher than yourself, esteem them higher than yourself. Be willing to do this for one another. So he wanted them to have that kind of a mindset because that's how he was, a servant to all. And then in the latter part of the chapter he talks about the love commandment and he says this is the new commandment he raises the bar when he says love others not as you love yourself but as I have loved you so he raises the bar on love and says this is how you're to love follow my example of love and how I loved you that's how I want you to love other people that way people will know you're my disciples because that's what he did then chapter 14 Now remember he's leaving them this is farewell That's when he begins by saying, let not your heart be troubled. Right? Because he knew they'd be concerned. In my father's house are many dwelling places and where I'm going, I'm going to prepare a place for you. So that where I'm, you can be also. And they talked about how you know the way and all that. I am the way. So he talked about that just to comfort them, to let them know. This isn't forever goodbye. You're going to see me again and I'm providing a place specifically for you isn't that a comforting thought to know he's done that for all of us then he goes on to say in that same chapter, chapter 14 the works that I do, you're going to do also he taught them about the descent of the Holy Spirit as he comes and and he ministers to you as a comforter counselor, helper and all that, he talks about his ministry about him taking his place, even though Jesus was going back to heaven the Holy Ghost was coming to take his place And then in chapter 15, remember, he's leaving. This is the same night. He's talking about all these things. He says, now remember this. I'm the vine, You're the branch. Apart from me, you can't do a thing. But if you stay connected, you can bear much fruit. So I want you to stay connected to me. Don't want you to stray aside or stray away and go in different directions. Stay connected to me because only in me can you produce the results that the father wants you to have goes over to chapter uh, 16 and he talks in chapter 16 about how to pray pray in the name of Jesus and before that you didn't pray in the name of Jesus but now ask the father in my name and he'll give it to you verse 27 he talks about how the father loves you what a revelation, the father himself loves you specifically you can read that verse in verse 27 and just say father you love me father you love me just as I am You love me. So keep that in the forefront of your mind that the father loves you is what he's telling them. Of course he talks a little bit more about the Holy Spirit and for his need to come and convict the world of sin of righteousness and judgment and all that. But then at the end of the chapter, chapter chapter 16 verse 33 he said in the world you're going to have tribulation. So he prepares them along the way. But be of good cheer I have overcome the world. And so if you stay connected to me the victory that overcomes the world is your faith in me. And so he's preparing them. This is his farewell discourse. These are the things of utmost importance before he goes. And then he begins his prayer. And it's a threefold prayer. He prays for himself. He prays for his disciples. And he prays for everyone that will believe on him through their word. That's the threefold prayer that he prays, the high priestly prayer. So we're going to begin chapter 17, beginning at verse 1, and notice the prayer he prays for himself. These words spake Jesus, that's chapter 13, 14, 15, 16, and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. Ooh, think about that. Think about what he meant. The hour is come, man. this is it. I'm going to a cross, I'm going to suffer and die for the world, for the sin of the world I know it's happening and the time is now so Father that the hours come glorify thy son that thy son also may glorify thee as thou hast given him power over all flesh that he should give eternal life to as many that, as thou hast called him and this is life eternal that they might know thee the only true God and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. I have glorified thee on the earth, I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do and now O father glorify thou me with thine own self with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. Now you stop and think about this prayer and you think about he's praying for himself and one word really stands out and what is that word? glory it's used five times in one form or another glory or glorified glorifieth. five times he says that and you might think why this request for glory why we're going to give you three reasons that he mentions right here first number one why in order to glorify the father why does he want to be glorified why does he want glory in his life to glorify the Father. If you recall Lucifer way back in the beginning what did he do? He wanted to usurp the glory of the Father to glorify himself and exalt himself above the throne of God. But not Jesus. Jesus wanted to be glorified so that his life would glorify the Father. So that he would bring even more honor and more glory to his Father and that's why he asked to be glorified and think about everywhere he went and all that he did and whenever he did something like heal the sick raise the dead cleanse the lepers it says and they glorified the God of Israel doesn't it they glorified the God of Israel so all that he did brought glory to the father and now the time has come and what he is saying is this is it this is the pouring out of my life unto death completely now glorify me, he's looking beyond the cross now, and glorify me so that I can further glorify you, that's what I live for that's what I die for, and that's what I will rise again and continue to do, secondly, now notice in uh, John 17 and verse 4, he earned it at the cross, is the second reason why he requested the glory, look at verse 4, I have glorified thee on the earth I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. Jesus, we know, was instructed to do certain things that he said. I'm doing anything and everything my father said to do. I say what my father says to say. Everything you see me do and see me act out, it all comes from the father himself. And I have successfully completed the work that the father gave me to do. So as a result of him going to the cross and finalizing everything, he knew that it was not wrong for him to be rewarded for his efforts and for the work that he did. You know, God rewards those that serve him. Doesn't he? He sure does. Look at 2 Timothy in chapter 4 and you'll find out the apostle Paul, he lived his life for what reason? To serve the living God. And he did that faithfully since his conversion on the road to Damascus. And At the end of his course he says these words, I have fought a good fight, I have finished my course, I have kept the faith, henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. Notice the crown of righteousness. He was well aware of it. And we all should be well aware of it. Anyone and everyone who serves the Lord here upon this earth can expect a crown of righteousness or as Peter said a crown of glory. Look at 1 Peter in chapter 5 and verse 4 what it says. And when the chief shepherd shall appear you shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. What are you doing for the Lord tonight? What is your work? You might think it's so small. I'm just doing this. I'm just doing that. It wouldn't matter to me if you're making a, making a phone call and telling somebody that Jesus loves you. If you're sending out a note card just saying God cares about you. Keep the faith. Whatever it might be that you're doing. Coming to church. Playing an instrument. Singing a song. Serving in whatever capacity. Whatever you're doing, you're doing as unto the Lord. Witnessing to somebody out there on the street. Going on a Saturday morning over to Pittsburgh and ministering to somebody who's living on the streets and telling them there's a better life and a better lifestyle whatever it is that you might be doing, you can expect that God will reward you for your labors and your service to Him on the other side. You can expect it. And so Jesus said, I've done the work you've called me to do. And now, I know there's glory waiting for me. Thirdly, the third thing, it was the glory that was rightfully His in the first place. Notice verse 5, what it says. And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. You see, he set aside his glory to become a man and to do what he did and live the life that he lived in faith and obedience to his Father. And now he's getting ready to die the death and then he's going to go back to heaven. And here's what he says. It was the glory that I left behind. Look in Philippians chapter 2 verses 5-11 through because it explains in detail what Jesus did. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God but made himself of no reputation took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men and being found in fashion of a man he humbled himself and became obedient unto death even the death of the cross and so there it is it's laid out right there that he set himself apart from his glory he left it behind and now he went and died now wherefore in other words because of what he did God has also highly exalted him and given him a name above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things and beings in heaven things and beings in earth things and beings on the earth and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father So he set aside his mighty power and glory. He became a man, suffered the death on the cross, and when God raised him up, he reinstated him. We call this the coronation. He gave him back the glory that he once had and gave him a name higher than any other name in all the universe. So imagine what the Father bestowed upon him for his service. And so when Jesus said, glorify me, that I may glorify you, all the glory he receives is to the praise of Almighty God. And you know what, beloved? That's how we should be. I want to live my life to glorify you, Father. I want to live my life to bring honor to you and glory to you. I want people to see my good works, to glorify my Father who is in heaven. You see why you're doing the good works? Not for you to receive, but for Him to receive. Amen. And so that's the first part of his prayer, it's for himself. But then... Also, we see that he prayed for his disciples. Now, these were the ones that stood by his side. These are the ones that supported his work on the earth. They were there with him. They were there for him as much as they could be. Except for Judas. We know that Judas, you know, betrayed him with a kiss. We understand that. But the others were right there by his side. The others were right there supporting him and doing everything they could to help him succeed in carrying out his life mission. And so what does he do? He prays for them in these verses. And he says, Father, now, these people that help me, I want to pray for them. And notice notice what he prays. We're going to start with number one. We're not going to read all those verses, but we'll give the verses as we go along. To keep them from falling away. In other words, to preserve them in obedience. You know, we have challenges in this world. Have you found that out in your Christian life and experience that you've got challenges in this world? And that the world is really not a favorable place for us to be in? The world's deceived, is it not? The world, you could say, is defiled, is it not? You could say the world is also dangerous to be in, is it not? And the world is divided. And as a result of Jesus knowing this, he prays for his close disciples and supporters. And what does he pray? He's praying for them to be empowered by God to stand faithful and true as they live their lives upon the earth. So whenever the temptation is to maybe give up or think the world is closing in around you, you've got someone, Jesus at the right hand of the majesty on high who is praying for you to see to it that you don't give up, you don't cave in, you don't lose heart. He ever lives to make intercession for every single one of us, he prayed these prayers he prayed these things for his disciples that the Father would always be there. You know what? It's important for us also to follow in the same footsteps of Jesus. And when you have loved ones that might be tempted to go astray, Father, surround them with other labors of love that will speak into their hearts and speak into their lives and just give them the truth of your word. Help them to see it. Help them to walk in it. Amen. And we should follow that same example. But then secondly, he also prayed for unity. Look at John 17, and and look at these verses in verse 11. And now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world, and I come to thee. Holy Father, keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one. So keep them means to protect them and help them, that they may be one. He prays for their unity, even as we are one, as we are one. Jesus understood and knew the power of unity. He understood the effect of unity. He knew how important it was for people to unite themselves together and serve him together. That's why he sent them out by twos. They would be there to sharpen each other, to support each other, to help each other. When one is weak, the other might be strong. When the other is weak, then the other one is strong. Same thing in a marital relationship, same thing in a family, same thing in a church body. When others may be weak, others can rise up and help them and sharpen them and put them on the right track and and speak into their lives to be one in serving God. One heart, one mind, one accord with the same purpose, serving God faithfully because we want His best. Now, look at John 17 and verse 12. This next verse is a very important verse. He said to keep them one, protect them, keep them safe that they might be one. While I was with them in the world I kept them in thy name. Those that thou gavest me I have kept and none of them is lost but the son of perdition that the scripture might be fulfilled. What is he saying? I kept them in unity. I kept them as one. I helped them stay on course. Whenever they were maybe to get off track he was the one to corral them in and bring them back together as long as he was here, they were all together in unity believing the same thing, minding the same thing, helping each other, etc, etc but now that he's going, he says, you know, I need you now to intervene, I need you to manifest your spirit so that he would continue to speak into their hearts and lives to keep them protected and to keep them as one, number three, he prays that joy would be within them in the midst of all opposition He knew the joy of the Lord would be our strength. But look at the next verse, John 17, 13. And now come I to thee, and these things I speak in the world, that they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. You know, when you get saved, you have a joy that's unspeakable and full of glory. And that joy we are told of the Lord is our strength. And with that joy within us, we can rise up above the circumstances that we're going to encounter in this life. Jesus knew that. It's a joy that the world doesn't give. It's a joy that the world cannot take away. And it's a joy we should never allow anything or anyone to remove from our lives. Paul was in prison and he says, I rejoice in the Lord always. Even in prison, even after being beaten and all that, he still demonstrated joy in the Lord. Yes, it's an act of faith. Yes, it rises above logic. But you know what? No matter what we're encountering or going through, it's the joy of the Lord that helps us. He gave us the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Amen? The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. So when we see, seem as though that the world is caving in and and the oppression of the world is trying to hold us down, it's the joy of the Lord that we need. And sometimes the Bible says if you want joy, you've got to shout for it. If you want joy, you've got to leap for it. In other words, take it upon yourself and command joy in the situation. And so he was praying for them to have a revelation of that joy. And then next, he prayed for the protection from all that is evil. Look at John 17, and then verse 15. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep or protect them from the evil that's in the world. So in other words, he says, I know you need to lead them here to witness for me. But while they're here, they're going to be attacked from every direction from all that is evil and all that is wrong. So I'm asking that you protect them and keep them safe and help them. And Let me show you. Look at Luke's gospel 22. And, and, and look at uh, what Jesus said about Peter. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, Peter, Peter, behold, Satan has desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. But I prayed for you that your faith fail not. I prayed for you That your faith fail not, and when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. So yes, Satan's coming, lurking around every corner as a lion, roaring lion, seeking seeking whom he may devour. But we're to remember, Jesus has prayed that our faith fail not. That his faith fail not, that our faith fail not. He's not changing his prayers. He wants our faith to work, to rise up and stand against all that is evil. And so he prays that God the Father would protect them and us from the evils of this age. Which we know that that prayer is answered because Jesus prayed it. Next, in his final statement that he makes, and that's for sanctification. Look at John 17, 17. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Sanctification is positional and practical. Positional, we're sanctified in Christ by his precious blood. Aren't you glad? The practical part of it, we need to carry it out and act like, live like, sanctified, set apart people, right? And so he prayed for that and what does he say? By thy truth. Thy word is truth. If we want to learn to live the lifestyle that God wants us to live we need to find out what the word says. You know how many people, it's sad to say but in the generation in which we live young people are being reared up under this they've never been taught what the Bible says about certain moral laws. Like for example many didn't realize the Bible even spoke out against homosexuality. They didn't realize it was wrong in our generation they don't even know that it speaks out against fornication they don't even know that that's in the Bible and the list goes on and on about certain moral laws that God has established to govern our lives but they don't realize it one major reason is because it's not being preached from the pulpit they want to go to seeker friendly churches when they only hear what you want to hear everything is great it's all hunky dory it's all beautiful it's all, and that's wonderful I believe in a positive message don't you? But also I believe that God's a God of judgment and justice as well. Right? And so we have to live right. How are we going to find out how God wants us to live? Go to the word of truth. And that truth will sanctify us. So in other words, when we see what the word says about how I'm living, and it it might be wrong, then we need to adjust and accommodate and do what he said. And so he's saying to the power and authority of the word of God, sanctify them, set them apart. So that they could look different than the people of the world. Shouldn't we all look different than the people of the world? Amen. Shouldn't we? I remember one time someone commenting, maybe they shouldn't have done this, but they're commenting about a man of God who was sitting at a restaurant and in the restaurant he asked for a certain thing to be done a certain way. In the process the person went and got what they wanted, what he wanted and brought it back. And when she brought it back, it wasn't exactly the way he said that it should have been done. He was very particular about how his beverage went into his glass. And he said, pour the water in first, and then the the ice in afterwards. But she went and just filled the glass with ice, and then poured the water in. And when it came back, he was so irate because he knew it because if the ice is in first you pour the water in the ice sticks together but if the water is in first and then you put in the ice they won't stick together and proceeded to chew her out in front of everybody and belittle her Oh, that was a shining light wasn't it over a glass of water a shining light man God wants us to live our lives in such a way so as to be pleasing to him and humble ourselves and, and, and also exalt others and esteem others more highly than ourselves Jesus was the servant of all do you remember when he washed their feet and after he washed their feet he got a basin of water this is before he went to the cross and he washed their feet and he came to Peter and when he bent down he said Peter come here Ah, uh-uh, ah, Lord you're not touching my feet no way because you see he thought he was being humble and Jesus said Peter you don't let me wash your feet you have no part in me or my kingdom whatsoever he changed his tune in a hurry and what does he say now man don't just wash my feet start on the top of my head and go all the way down my body And, and what does Jesus say Peter Peter I don't need to wash your whole body just your feet that's all I need, that's your walk on the earth right, right, so you see God wants us to live a certain lifestyle and to live a certain way in which we honor him and glorify him and shine his lights in the world of darkness, as we love one another people know that we're his disciples because we show this love to one another, not criticizing one another, not belittling one another, not berating people in a public venue or a place like a restaurant or something like that that's not going to do anything to promote the gospel of Jesus Christ now God will reward us you say well sometimes we'll get stepped on and walked all over what did they do to Jesus what did they do to Jesus he was the servant of all and he says we're to serve as well And what's he praying? That we have the same mind, the same mentality. That as we live our lives, we don't live it to ourselves. We live it to glorify him, complete the work he gives us to do. So that one day we too will be rewarded with glory on the other side. And those who lead many to Christ shall shine as the stars of heaven. And while we're in the world, he says, I want you to be protected. I want you to be surrounded with with angels and and empowered to stand up against all the forces of evil and darkness. To overcome what's in the world by your faith, etc. All those things he prayed for us as well as as those disciples, which you'll see here next. The third third section of prayer, the third division, he prays for you and me, for those that would believe on him through the words the disciples preached. And now look, let's read uh, here verses um, 20 and 21. First thing he prayed for was unity. Now It says, neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. You realize the word started somewhere. It had to start somewhere. It went out from Jerusalem to Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the earth. It started with those first disciples and apostles and it began to spread. And the word kept on continuing to one day it landed in your life. Aren't you glad? Well I want you to know something. He prayed for you he prayed that all of us would be one as thou father art in me and I in thee that they also may be one in us that the world may believe that thou hast sent me notice the motive again that the world may believe that thou hast sent me division when we're divided and there's division what does that do it takes away from the gospel it takes away from our effectiveness you see in ministry so he prays for unity that we'd be of one heart, one mind, one accord. Go to Acts chapter 4 and what you discover, that they were persecuted for the miracle that took place. And then Peter and John went to their own company, and they said, all that the chief priests and elders said to them. And they lifted up their voice to God in one accord and said, Lord, you're the God that made heaven and earth and seen all that in them is who by the mouth of your servant David said, why did the heathen rage and the people imagine vain things? The kings of the earth stood up and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ of whom thou hast spoken even thy holy child Jesus. And now Lord behold their threatening. Grant unto your servants that with all boldness we may preach your word through signs and wonders and demonstrations of your mighty power and glory. And when they had prayed the place was shaken where they were assembled together. The place was shaken where they were assembled together and they all preached the word of God with boldness and none of them said that what they had belonged to themselves but in one mind, one heart, one accord proclaimed the gospel of Jesus Christ and great power and great grace was upon them. There is a key to having great grace and great power when the people start setting aside who they are and what their pursuits are and start realizing I'm a part of the body of Christ. I'm here to serve the living God with my brothers and sisters in the Lord. And when you get a church to come together and everybody says I am here to promote the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace so that we could have the living God every time we gather together descend upon us pour out his spirit manifest his glory save the lost heal the sick and set the captives free that's what I'm here for so when someone starts commenting about this that the other thing there is no perfect place there is no perfect church there is no perfect world there is no perfect human being apart from Jesus Christ and so no matter where you go what church you go into you will find imperfection and the devil will get you to focus on the imperfection To bring division and disunity among the people. Because he knows the power of unity. And when people join together and they're one. It gives place to the miracle working power of God. The power of God to flow like a mighty river. To accomplish the purposes of God. Number one to save the lost is more important than anything else. And that's been our prayer here. That you bring the men from the north, south and east and west. From every direction round about. From the realms of, of darkness of spiritual uh, doctrines of devils, religious tradition and, 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 doctr- and spir- spiritual forces that are blinding people's minds spiritual darkness and they will be brought in from that realm into the realm of light. We want this to be a place of light where people can come in and just say I didn't know that, I didn't understand that but I can see it now I was blind but now I see. Jesus is praying for the people to realize we're more effective in unity even in your own family, you can look at this model prayer. This is truly, you could say, another of the Lord's prayer that he is praying that we could echo and pray as well. Lord, I want to serve you with my life. I'm going to glorify you. I want to honor you and live for you and fulfill your purpose. I'm living for you. If you want to know what his purpose is, you want to know what his will is, when you start telling him that and talking to him like that, I will go where you want me to go. I will do what you want me to do. I will say what you want me to say and so on. He's saying, there's somebody I can use. Amen. And why? To glorify you on the earth. And I know I'll be rewarded on the other side in glory, but my motivation is to be a person that's like a magnet that draws people to myself. I can lead them to Christ. Amen. They should look at you and just say, what makes you so happy? You know what? (laughs) Wonderful. Another thing statement heard about Andrew. His teachers. They just know what they said? How come he's always happy? How come he's always excited? You know? And that's exactly the way Andrew's at school. With everyone. Concerned about their salvation. Always full of joy. Excited. I'll tell you what, he came down just the other day and told me, Dad, I was in my room dancing. You think Jesus saw me? <laughs> I was dancing to the Lord. Do you think Jesus saw me? Oh, I'm pretty sure he did. How do you know? <laughs> Well, honey, because he's everywhere and he can see everything and he knows your heart. You think he was pleased? I know he was pleased. Why? Why? Everything's, how do you know? Why? Why? You got to explain everything in full detail to Andrew about why. He said, I just love Jesus. I just love to to worship him. I love to praise him and, and, and so on. And when he goes to school, he's the same way. He's always happy. He's always joyful. Amen. And that's how God wants us all to be. Okay, um, secondly, for glory. What about this? Look at John 17, 22 and 23. And the glory which thou gavest me, I have given them, that they may be one even as we are one, I in them, and thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know. And once again, look at the motivation, that the world may know that thou lovest, that, that thou hast sent me, and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. Notice it's all about a message. God wants us full of glory. He wants His glory to flood our souls. He's the glory and the lifter of our heads. He doesn't want us walking down defeated and oppressed and sad and yeah come and serve my Jesus you know you'll get sad too. That's not what He wants. You think that's what He wants? No. He wants us to be like an Andrew that says why are you so happy all the time why you got a smile on your face because I know Jesus but look at the world you're living in but I know Jesus but look at the political thing that we're in but I know Jesus Jesus is Lord of all it does not matter I've got a joy unspeakable and full of glory on the inside of me and the world didn't give it and the world can't take it away so guess what I'm going to do I'm going to shouted from the mountaintops hallelujah my God reigns my God reigns praise God always be ready to give a a, a reason for the hope that is in you the Bible said we've got a blessed hope now look in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4 got your seatbelt on for God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ but we have this treasure, what treasure? the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ we have this treasure in earthen vessels or pots of clay that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us you see he's saying I'm putting my glory in you so you can shine as a light so people can see your good works and glorify me so you can be one with us look at how gracious God is Look at how generous and benevolent God is. He said, it's my glory, but I'm putting some of it in you. I'm going to put it and deposit it in you. That jar of clay houses the glory that raised up Jesus from the dead. We've got that glory in this earthen vessel. And it's time we recognize it, acknowledge it, and act like it's so. Amen. Act like it's true. I'll tell you what, we'll shine his lights. And then thirdly, you've got to love this. hmm You've got to love it. He prayed for a reunion. A reunion. Look at John 17, verses 24-26. through 26. Father, I will that they also, whom thou hast given me, be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory, which thou hast given me. For thou lovest that me before the foundation of the world, O righteous Father, The world hath not known thee, but I have known thee, and these have known that thou hast sent me, and I have declared unto them thy name, and will declare it, that the love wherewith thou hast loved me may be in them and I in them. Now think about where he's about to go. He's about to go to the cross. And their last vision, sight of him, is going to be nailed to a cross in a bloody mess. They're going to see him that way. And he says... Father, I want them to see me and behold me and experience me in my glory. So that where I'm at, they can be there with me. I don't want them the last thing they see is me dying on a cross in that condition. I want them to see me glorified before the throne of Almighty God. And I want them to be there with me and see it with their own eyes and behold, which means to experience it in reality. And I want them to experience the love that I have for humanity and the love that you have for humanity firsthand. That's what I want them to see. And so what is he saying? He's praying for us that He would the Father would fill us with His glory. Give us our, our, our papers to work for Him. Let us know what He wants us to do. Help us, empower us to fulfill the mission. Be protected along the way and be in unity along the way and help each other serve each other, work together to promote the things of God that one day you and I when we finish our course like the Apostle Paul will be raised up to life and praise God glorified and will be there before the throne of Almighty God and we will celebrate also being glorified with Him and with Him and experience the love of the father and son in, in reality like we have never experienced before I'm talking about the depth and fullness of experience of God's glory and love, amen. oh my goodness praise God that's what Jesus prayed for, amen. amen hallelujah, so what do we conclude by the prayer that Jesus prayed, very simple first of all and foremost We see God's love all over it. Jesus loved the Father. Oh my. Can't you see how much he loved the Father? I've done everything you told me to do, I've said everything you told me to say. He loved his Father dearly and deeply, and he proved it by his obedience and sacrificial life that he lived. He loved his disciples those that were with him by his side upon the earth so much that he cared enough for them to pray for them. You know, when you leave, you're about to leave, you're about to go, does it matter who else? was? Yeah, he cared. He cared about the Father and he loved him. He cared about his disciples that were there for him and with him so much. And then his love for all humanity. Because he knew they'd proclaim the gospel and preach it. And that means Tonight, it reaches even us, every single one of us. It shows us he loves us, he loves the Father, loves the disciples, and loves every single one of us with the same kind of love. He's in our corner, praying for us, helping us, doing everything he can to get us to the place where we're with him there in glory. And we see him and behold him in all his splendor. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. And that should not be our prayer for everyone. Why am I praying for my son or my daughter? Because I want them to know you. To love you. To serve you. To have an understanding of what your plan and purpose is for their life. I want you to defend them, Father, and protect them along the way. I want them to be so full of joy it's unspeakable and full of glory that they live a fulfilled life realizing any sacrifice that they make is worth the sacrifice because there's something far more far better for them on the other side this lot of affliction but for a moment works for us a more exceeding eternal weight of glory while we look not at things seen but the things that are not seen you know this Jesus had all that you can say when he was lifted up in Philippians 2 we read about that he gave, a, he gave a name above all every name that every knee shall bow every tongue shall fit, confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Don't you want your life to be lived to the glory of God the Father? Whether you're a missionary out there on a the field, whether you're a pastor pastoring a church whether you're a musician playing or you're someone praying or you're someone that might be a soul winner out there soul winning whatever your position might be, riding a car to somebody, helping with the child care, working with our teachers, any capacity in any way, or if it's in your own family, just praying for your own loved ones, all to the glory of God, so that this high priestly prayer of Jesus will be fulfilled in our lives and also all of theirs. Let's all stand together before the Lord. Hi, Pastor Bill here. I want to thank you for joining us today. just as i am and i believe with all my heart that jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me i opened the door of my heart i call upon the name of the lord lord jesus come into my heart and now accept you and receive you as my personal savior and lord heavenly father i have called on the name of jesus i'm now your child in jesus name amen